Presentation this morning. Um, if if you don't have a pencil or if you don't have a journal, uh, I suggest if you have a Bible or a piece of paper or something uh, in your you know your pocket or your purse or whatever. Some of the things I'm going to say to you, uh, you need to check out for yourself. Everything that I am going to give you today is a matter of public record. Some uh, uh, you can get on the man. The, one of the things the internet does is it, you have a, a world of information at your fingertips, and uh, most of this information I'm going to give you either either found in the Bible or it's found uh, in, in in matter of public record. And I started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, talking about a wake-up call to America, and um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you today about a wake-up call. Uh, some of you are, are going to probably run this through um, some kind of a filter and uh, probably look at it as, well, that's just coincidence or, or it just happens or whatever. Um, you know, there's going to be all kinds of responses to what I'm going to say. Uh, today, uh, but uh, you, I, I'm hoping that to some of you it'll be a revelation. Some of, to some of you, hopefully, it'll be a, a wake-up call. For those of you that might not be living as close to the Lord as you need to be, uh, maybe it will awaken you. Um, warnings, warning signals are shakings. As the book of Hebrews talks about shaking. In the last days, God is going to shake things. Now, it's interesting, uh, God says, I'm going to do it. He said, I'm going to shake the earth. And, uh, what, you know, and you have to understand what the shakings are. He said, I'm going to shake the things that men put their confidence in. The temporal things that men put their confidence in, I'm going to shake those. So that the solid foundations, only the things that are built on solid foundations are going to last. Now, you can find that in the book of Hebrews and uh, I think in chapter 12 or 13, uh, you, can, you can find that, that verse of Scripture. Limited judgments are warning signals, are not meant to destroy, but they are meant to, uh, as a call to repentance. They're, they're meant, when, when Israel received limited judgments, our warnings, you know, all kinds of warnings came to the, to the nation of Israel. And uh, they could, most of the time they chose to ignore them. But the limited judgments that God brought on that nation was not to destroy that nation, but to call it to repentance. And so, so I want you to understand what God is trying to do in the shakings, I believe, in America that he has allowed in America is not meant, even though we are going to be affected by it. How many understand that the church is going to be affected by the things that goes on in our world, whether we like it or not? Now, the good news is we have God on our side, and, and he's going to take care of us, but it's still going to affect our life. Uh, in fact, some of these things that I'm going to share with you today affected your personal life. Some of you in this building probably literally lost thousands of dollars in money. And uh, it affected you in a, in a financial way. Now, the shakings are the judgment that came uh, to America to bring America back to repentance also affected the just also. We live in this world, and it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Is, is it not true? So if the limited judgments that are coming to wake up America is also going to affect us, which means that as we recognize these things, we also need to, repair, to prepare ourselves that we're going to be affected. 
In my experience as a pastor, and in my experience, you just not forget about being a pastor. Um, in my experience, warnings are not taken too seriously. Can we just talk? Warnings are not taken too seriously. We run them through whatever filter we run them to. Well, and we, especially when we're young, we always think, well, it's going to happen to somebody else. It's not going to happen to me. How many thought that besides me? You know, uh, you, you know, your parents give you a warning or your friends or whatever, you receive a warning and you run it through a filter. Well, I, I'm better than that other person. I remember driving my father down uh, uh, South Chester years ago and I was weaving in and out of traffic. And boy, I was, had the old 55 Ford wound up, you know, and just going down. And uh, he looked at me as he got home and he said, uh, you're going to get it. I said, what do you mean? He said, just what I said. You keep driving like that, you're headed for an accident. I thought, ah, shoot, I'm too good for that. I know how to drive. Some other guys, I wouldn't be driving like that if other guys get out of my way. <clears throat> it wasn't two weeks. Boom. It was a prophecy. Did I, did I take him serious? No. Did I slow down? No. Did the accident slow me down? Yeah. But it had to be the accident to get my attention. So warnings are not taken too seriously. It's been my experience. In the Pacific Northwest several years ago, a man by the name of Old Harry, some of you might be old enough to remember that, on a newscast uh, he was on there and they was interviewing him, and he was told to move someplace where it was safe, uh, that the mountain he lived nearby was shaking and very well could uh, erupt at any time. And Old Harry said, oh, no, I've lived here for several years in this mountain uh, it loves me, and me and my cats are going to stay right here. And some of you probably may be old enough to have remembered that interview. And it wasn't a few weeks later till Mount St. Helens erupted to the force of the, uh, actually twice the force of the bomb that we <laughs> dropped on Japan. And old Harry and his cats hadn't been seen since. What happened to Harry? Harry refused to take the warning. And when you refuse to take warnings and to alert yourself, uh, you know, and humble yourself and say, you know, maybe I ought to focus in on what maybe is going on around me. What do we do with the warnings that come from God? Now, Israel ignored them. And in fact, they killed the prophets that sent them. And, you know, God sent prophets and, and they killed them. They rejected God. And ultimately, because they refused the limited judgments that God was using to try to get their attention, they was completely taken into captivity. And they spent 70 years. That, in fact, Babylon come in, uh, took, took them all the way to Babylon. And there they spent 70 years of their life in captivity. And uh, but why? Because they simply ignored God's warning. Well, this is America, and we live in the day of grace, and nothing will happen to us. And that's exactly what Israel thought. At some point in time, we need to just kind of wake up and uh, realize, look around at what's going on, and because and, life is not going to continue as it was forever. The drama of the ages is coming to a close, and the church is fixing to disappear from this planet. Limited judgment, if ignored, will continue to increase in intensity until complete judgment comes. But the good news is that when complete judgment comes, even though the church goes through some of this stuff, when complete judgment comes, the church is going to be taken out before that happens. That's the good news.
Amen? That's the good news. But in the process of time, we need to understand that God allows limited judgment. Can I tell you, let me read you some scripture. Now, it's, it's not going to be on the PowerPoint yet, just so don't click this in. Daniel chapter 4 is not going to be on the PowerPoint, but I want to give you a scripture. Write it down. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 25. Somebody says, well, America is American, that's and such and so. Listen, America is hereby God designed. All nations of the world are there because of God's design. And we need to get that through our head. Daniel chapter 4, verse 25, the king Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream. And it goes to Daniel, and, and he's trying to get the interpretation. Here, and here's Daniel's response to him. They shall drive you, Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. And they will wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times or seven years shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be out there in that field for seven years. You'll eat grass like an ox till you come to your senses and understand that the kingdom of men is ruled by who? God. Nations rise and fall at, 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 at God's blessing and God's will and God's purposes. And so to think that any nation in the world uh, is out from underneath God's control or God's, you know, power, that is foolish. It said, because till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Nations rise and nations fall, all at the will of God for his purpose and his plans. Here's the principle or the key to warnings. If they are ignored, they will become increasingly more intense. Let me go to the PowerPoint, and we'll, most of this I'm going to do by memory because I don't have any very few written notes on this, so you follow along with me, okay? Go ahead and click the first verses in. Psalms 33 and verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. How many know that's where we started? We were blessed. Why is America blessed? Because she was founded. This, this country was dedicated to the purposes of God. The Puritans that came, a lot of them were, were of Jewish descent, and they, and they saw this nation as, as a second Israel. They, isn't it interesting? They named their cities after cities, biblical cities, Salem. Hmm. They named their mountains after mountains in Israel. They named their children their descendants, and gave them biblical names. And, and on the story goes, this nation was a, a replica, a reflection of ancient Israel, and that was how it was established. And it wasn't Allah we were bound to, it was Jehovah God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 said, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. When America started, it, we were started... Uh, under and our, our whole legal system, everything about America was based uh, on the Ten Commandments, the law, everything was based on that. Go to this next slide. Hopefully it'll work. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Does this sound familiar? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for... Does it sound like someone who's mixed up? 
don't understand. When you look at America today, do you think, how does a rational person come up with those ideas? This week, an atheist applied to be a chaplain in the armed services. Did you see it on the news? An atheist wanted to be a chaplain. Well, like, whose God is he going to be representing? He don't even believe in God. And because he didn't get the appointment, he's suing the U.S. government. Woe to those <laughs> who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. It's confusion. Why, are, why is this person confused? Why is American confused? Why does, it, why does our legal system seem to favor the criminal more than it does the good person? Why, why does it in our court system, it seems like the, the laws that used to be for the good person, now a, a thief robs a store, runs across the building, falls to the ceiling, and hurts himself, and he sues the company or the store that he is robbing and wins the case. I could have had a V8. Does that sound logical? But in the world in which we live, that is the case. How did we come to so much confusion? The, let me take you to 9-11. 9-11, when the Twin Towers fell. Uh, most of you, if you've been here on Wednesday night, we talk about the number 11. 11 is a number of confusion. 11, the t Twin Towers, when they stood there, looked like the number 11. The plane, the first plane to hit the towers was flight 11. They had 92 passengers aboard. 9 plus 2 is 11. The number 11 is plastered all over 9-11. New York City, the name has 11 letters. The New York State was the 11th state to join the Union. 11 is all over that. George, George W. Bush is 11 letters in his name who was president when that happened. 11, the number of confusion. How did they get so confused? Why is 11 the number of confusion? Because it follows number 10. What is number 10? 10 is the number of God's commandments, His principles. When you and I break His principles, when you and I break His commandments, uh, there is confusion that comes into our life. And uh, so number 11 just simply follows in, in sequence of number 10. For those people uh, that, that, that disregard and break his commandments and break his principles, let me prophesy what's going to take place in your life. Your life is going to become so confused you won't know up from down. Why is your marriage in confusion? Let it be a revelation to you. When you break God's principles and when you break God's commands and, and you don't uh, uh, follow what the principles that God has told you so your, your marriage will be good, then your marriage is going to fall into a state of confusion. It follows a natural sequence of events. How are you going to get out of number 11? You're going to go to number 12. 12 is the number of divine order. You need to get divine order back into your life. There's 12 months in the year. There's, there's 12 disciples. There was 12 heads of the tribes of Israel. There, there's 12 major signs in the heaven constellation. 12 is the number of divine order. And the only way to get out of confusion is reestablish divine order in your life. Why is America confused? She has broken God's commandments. She has broken God's principles. She's drifted away from her God. Woe to those who call evil good. And good evil. Click in this next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now let me set the stage for where we're going. Now all these things, speaking about Israel and all of her problems and everything that she did, 
Now, all these things happen to them as what? As examples. Who are these examples given to? And they were written for who? Our admonition. Why did God feel like he needs to write this down and to alert it to this fact? Because if we act like ancient Israel, then we're going to not learn from their examples. And we are destined to follow the same path that they followed and, and, and destined to receive the same judgment that God brought upon them. Now, all these things happen for them as examples were written for our admonition. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says this, For whatever things were written before, talking about the Old Testament, were written for our learning. So he, we, we're going to learn something today or we're going to go out of here just as ignorant as we came in. Can I get an amen? Go to the next slide. Hopefully it'll work. I was, uh, someone told me, if you start to minister this stuff, you're, you are going to have some problems. And that was a prophecy. Um, go to the next slide. Israel was given specific principles to follow to enjoy the blessings of God. Uh, Exodus chapter 23 and verse 10 says, Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow. Verse 11 says that the poor of your people may eat, and, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Go to the next slide. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1. At the end of every seven years. Now you get this. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debt. Every seven years, every seventh day of the week was a Sabbath. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year. And at the end of every seven years, a Sabbath year, there, there, was, a, there was a day that was called a day of release of debts. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. The Hebrew word for release, notice it's mentioned four times in these two verses. The word release is mentioned. In the Hebrew, the word the last day of the seventh year was called Shemitah. And it means a release. It's the Lord's release. Debt was released. Now, it was meant to be a blessing. Okay, it was meant to be a blessing if they kept it. And if they did not keep it, it was, meant, it was turned into a curse because God would, would touch the financial realm of Israel. Okay, now they did not keep this law. They, they got greedy and they did not keep this law, okay? And it turned out to be a curse for them. And the reason they went into Babylon for 70 years is because they broke this Sabbath law for seven uh, straight times. And so they, God raised up Nebuchadnezzar, this, uh, the, the nation of Babylon. He come in, took them captive, and then God told them, he said, as long as you're in captivity for 70 years, the land's going to uh, catch up on its, on its rest years that you have robbed it of. Go to the next slide. Pastor, we don't live under the law. And I, I can hear some of your wheels grinding right now. We don't live under the law. We don't observe the Sabbath. It was for Israel. Truth is this, the Sabbath of Israel affected the rise and fall of nations. 
That is the truth. The reason Babylon, the reason God raised up Babylon is because Israel did not follow through in recognizing and observing these Sabbath laws. So he raises up a nation to come against Israel. The rise and fall of nations is in whose hands? God's, okay? So, but the, and so the truth is that the rise of Babylon, and then after Babylon, uh, the 70 years was finished, then he raised up Persia to come in and defeat Babylon, and then the Jews were released to go back to their own country. So he raises up another nation to defeat Babylon and then brings a release to his people to go back after the, the land had enjoyed its Sabbath. Go to this next slide, or this next verse. We're not going to deal today with the Sabbath year as an observance, but as a prophetic sign, a warning. Question, is it scriptural that a nation or a people defined of God's ways warrant a warning from God? In the Scripture, is there any place in the Scripture, the Old Testament, that a, a, a nation or a people that would define of God's laws uh, received a warning from God before judgment came? Of course. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar received a warning. He said, well, you're going you're to stay out there in that field for seven years going, until you realize, come to the conclusion, that God, God deals with in, in the affairs of men. You're going to understand that. And then when Babylon, when he got finished with Babylon, he raised up the kingdom of Persia. Uh, who, who did that? God allowed the kingdom of Persia to arise. And so the Old Testament is full of the rise and fall of nations. So we're going to deal today with the Sabbath as a, as a principle of, of, of a prophetic sign, a warning, because the Sabbath affects the economic economy of the world. It affects the economy of a nation. So let's see how this might play out in America. Go to the next slide. Could it be that even before 9-11 that the warnings contained in the observance of the Sabbath year could have been affecting America? The economic and the financial system. Remember now the principle of the Sabbath is it affects the economic and financial system. And could God be using that principle to try to get America to wake up and to alert her to the fact that the, that judgment is coming? So let's Go and watch this. Let's go back some 40 years. Let's even go back before 9-11. Number one, the stock market crashed on October 3rd, 1973. Now, I'm, I'm going to go through these things, and uh, I'm going to let you know that, that the, the Hebrew calendar is different than our calendar. The Hebrew calendar starts their new year on the month of Tishri, which, uh, which uh, coincides with our September and October on our calendar. Our calendar is not like theirs. But uh, the month of Tishri is the start of the Sabbath year, and it, and it coincides with our September and October. So remember that and keep that in your mind, all right? So the last, so the Sabbath year would end on, on Alu, which is the last year of the Hebrew calendar, and it only has 29 days. So on Alu 29th would, would, would be the Shemitah day where the release would come, where, where the finances uh, the people would be released of debt, okay? But that all happens in a seven, you know, a, a year's time, okay, on the calendar. The stock market crash of October 3rd, 1973 happened on a, on a Sabbath year. And at the end of the Sabbath year, close to the Shemitah, that day when release came, that is when it happened. The fall represented some 48% of the market crash or the market value. 
It was started by the oil crisis in Iran in the Middle East countries. And because of that, the, the stock market fell. Go to the next one. That was almost 40 years ago. The stock market crashed on November 28th of 1980. Some of you were around to go with that. Jimmy Carter was president. The Iranian Revolution uh, caused another uh, oil prices to soar. We were in double-digit inflation. And some of you probably sitting here today bought a house with interest rates of 9, 10, 11, and 12%. How many did that? Yeah, I mean, interest was going crazy. I don't know if you realize how much a payment is when it's 11% and 12%, but that was going on. And, and the stock market crashed on November 28th, uh, close to the end of the Sabbath year uh, in 1980. It cost 27% of its value, and billions of dollars were lost. Notice how many years apart that was. Strange, isn't it? Go to this next one. The stock market crashed on August 25th, 1987. Oh, man. The greatest stock market crash in American history to that point. It was known as Black Monday. In fact, uh, one of the prophets of our time, uh, Dave Wilkerson, God had told him that the stock market was going to crash. And he told his church, he said, on Monday, the stock market's going to crash. And he went down and sat across the street from Wall Street. And when it opened, he watched Wall Street fall and make its crash because God had already alerted him to the fact that it was going to do it. It lost, the stock market lost 33% of its value. Billions were lost. And it took over two years to recover just what money was lost in that stock market of that time. The fourth one. Some of you are familiar with this one. The stock market crashed on September 17, 2001. The greatest crash in history up to that point. Some of you sitting here today lost thousands of dollars out of your retirement funds. That was the tech, the tech market bubble. They call it dot, dot com, you know, dot com, because uh, all this, the, the tech stocks were soaring. There was a bubble created in all the tech stocks. And a lot of your retirement money was invested in mutual funds that was heavily invested in, in tech, technology stock. And when that stock fell and when that crash came, some 48% of the value of that market crashed. I'm telling trillions of dollars would change hands and was lost as a result of that. Some people's uh, portfolio was, was almost wiped out because they had invested heavily in tech stock. And there would probably be some here today, and I know there's some not here today, that, that absolutely when it crashed, they lost their money. Some of them have never recovered the money that was lost on that day. It was one of the most dramatic crashes in market history. Lost 49% of its value. Go to this next one. The stock market crashed on September 29, 2008. The greatest crash in world history to that point. It lost 56% of its value. Trillions of dollars. Most of you, even the young people, most of you around when this happened. Lehman Brothers collapsed. Banks closed their doors. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had to have a bailout, and we bailed them out. And in the aftermath, General Motors and Chrysler both 
uh, applied for bailout funds. I mean, the crash affected the economy of the United States and affected the economy around the world. Could it be that God was causing a shaking, a warning, trying to get America's attention, touching the financial and the economic uh, system of, of our world? And yet, in spite of all that, now I want you to notice, the reason that it crashed in, in September of 29, 2008, because in 2001, that in order to uh, stop, you know, and to rebuild the stock market, they slashed interest rates, and they sowed the seeds of this crash. What did they do? They slashed interest rates and made cheap loans. Now you could buy a house for nothing down and just get into the, into the housing market. It caused a housing bubble. I mean, it caused a building bubble. Most of you borrowed on your house. They, people, loan companies would loan you 100% or 200% of what your property was worth, and some of you borrowed that money. It was easy money. It was quick money, and, and, and you bought it. And some of you sitting here today are still upside down in your house. Your house is not as valuable as it was when you bought it. You borrowed all that money and built all those swimming pools and all that easy credit and debt, and I'm telling you, it sowed the seeds of this crash right here in 2008 because our economy and our system could not handle the weight of the debt people begin to walk away from their houses, begin to turn them back to the finance company. Lehman Brothers collapsed because all of their debt was consolidated in property that was not worth the value of what they loaned against it. The government didn't bail them out, so they, so they failed. Banks, there was a run on banks, and banks began to go bankrupt all across America. It was a warning. It was a shaking. God was touching the economy and the finances of our nation, and it was hurting people. We were involved in that, 56% of its value. Bailouts was everywhere. Go to this next slide. This is interesting. I want to go through the mystery of sevens. If 666 is the number of the devil, then seven is God's perfect number and should be His signature, correct? You know, that's just God's perfect number. The seventh day is a Sabbath. The seventh year is a Sabbath year. Seven is His number. Click this first window, the mystery of sevens. It happened exactly seven years after the crash of 2001 to the very day. Remember I told you that the Sabbath year started on the first day of Tishri and, and stopped on Elu, the 29th, the stock market crash of 2001 happened on the very day of Shemitah, or the last day of the month of Elu on the 29th. When the day in Israel that was supposed to be a release on the Hebrew calendar, it happened on the very same day. Remember I told you that when warning signs are ignored, the principle is they get more and more what? Intense. So the mystery of sevens. Go to the next one. The crash was triggered by the failure of Congress to pass the Emergency Economy Stabilization Act. The amount chosen for the bailout was what? Matter of record. Seven hundred. Just a coincidence? It just happened. I mean, I mean, why could, they could have picked 800 or even 600 billion. But the figure, I think the reason it happened because God was trying 
to get our attention. And his signature is all over this. $700 billion. Go to the next one. What percentage of Wall Street was wiped out on the last day? 7%. You know, this next one, it gets worse. It gets kind of eerie. How many actual points were wiped out on the last day of the seventh year? Can you see it? Seven, seven, seven. The Dow Jones, the Dow was down. Seven, seven, seven. The mystery of seven. What, what was happening? Why seven? I think God's trying to get someone's attention. In fact, the, the crash of 2008 it happened exactly seven years after 2001 to the very day of Elude 29th, the exact same day that there was supposed to be a release in Israel. It happened the same exact day, and God put his hand on the finances and the economic system of America trying to get America's attention. It was a wake-up call. His signature is all over this thing. The mystery of sevens. Go to the next slide. The Sabbath year deals with a principle that God is the source of all blessings, spiritual and physical. The Sabbath principle deals with a human nature flaw, the tendency to divorce the blessings of life from the giver of those blessings. If you're taking notes, 1973, 28 years earlier, uh, in 1945, which was a Sabbath year, America emerged from World War II, the leading economic power in the world. Militarily and economically, it was a giant. It was number one. I mean, and so, and for uh, the, uh, 28 years later, which was four Sabbath years, we come to 1973. What happened in 1973 to finally cause God to bring a shaking of America? Now, in 1960s, we removed prayer from the classroom. But something drastic happened in 1973. During the Sabbath year, something happened. America did something that, that God could not, could not but do something about. Our highest court system in the land, the Supreme Court, passed the Roe v. Wade law, making abortion and the murder of the unborn legal in January of the Sabbath year. And it wasn't just a couple of months later that the crash came. We also lost the Vietnam War in the 70s, and we haven't won a war since. 1945, we was victorious. See, judgments come in various ways. One of them is militarily. You, you, we, we, you cease to be, uh, to be able to win wars. You know, I've, I've been watching this. You know, wars cost money. And I, have you been watching this on the news? I mean, we really know how to fight a war. <clears throat> we send up a $100 million plane to drop a half-million-dollar bomb on a $1,500 truck. Have you seen that? Here's a truck bouncing along with no dusty road, and all at once, boom, it blows up. There's only one guy in it, maybe two at the most. It costs $1,500. You couldn't even get that in America for it, but we send up a $100 million plane, drop a half-million-dollar bomb, and wipe out a $1,500 truck. Does that make sense? 
seeing two guys with two 50 cents rounds go get behind a rock, and when the guy comes along, shoot him. How stupid can you get? And we have spent, we, have, we fly a plane over there that costs $200 or $300 an hour to fly, risk a guy's life, dropping, I mean, can you imagine if, there's $1,500 trucks all over that country. They're, and, and in fact, that bomb, they, they had a bomb on one and the driver survived, only killed one of them. He'll survive to drive another $1,500 truck. Send a couple of guys, a couple of bullets, shoot the guy, rock, take the truck and drive it back home. We do not know how to fight a war. 1945, look at this, 1945, 28 years later, 1973, Roe v. Wade, 28 years later, 2001, Sabbath year, the enemy comes to our land from victorious to getting away from God to the enemy coming to our soil. We're no longer fighting over there. We're fighting here. We're dealing with the principle that God is the source of all blessings, spiritual and physical. The Sabbath principle deals with the human nature flaw, the tendency to divorce the blessings of life from the giver of those blessings. Go ahead and click this in. The Sabbath was meant to be a blessing, a time appointed for rest, refreshing, and revival. But when ignored it, when it was ignored, it became a curse. Go to the next slide. What does the future hold? Now get a grip on your seat. We are now in a Sabbath year. It started in October of this year, of 2000, of this year 2014. We are seven years past 2008. Now notice, most of those crashes came how many years apart? We are now entering the Sabbath year, the seventh year of the crash of 2008. Now, notice I told you that, that, that things become more intense. In the same way with the Sabbath year, during the Sabbath year, things, begin to hap things will happen all during the Sabbath year, but they will grow in intensity e even in the Sabbath year. October 8th, how many heard the report about China? What was the report? And it happened in the Sabbath year. In October 8th, and the first part of the Sabbath year, it came out that America is no longer the leading economic power in the world. We have been overtaken. We're going down, and China is arising. Who is in charge of the rise and fall of nations? Even ugly nations. And because we have failed to hear what God is saying, because America has failed to repent, 9-11 made a lot of people scared and our church was full, but there was no repentance. Because we have failed. On October 8th, a report came out that China has passed the United States as being the leading economic power in the world. Number two. The Sabbath year ends on September. Notice this now. It ends, remember I told you that 
that the last day of the Sabbath year was in the month of Elul, which, which coincides with our September and October. The Sabbath year ends on September 28, 2015, the date of the fourth blood moon and the last day of the Sabbath year, the year of the Lord's release. How ironic is that? Just a, just a coincidence. Just happening. What does the future hold? Go to this next slide. Let me give you a scripture and then we'll close. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 10. Here's what's supposed to happen. In fact, uh, during the moon's orbit around the earth, it has a, a one position, it's the farthest away from earth, and another position, it's the closest place to the earth. And when it's the closest to the earth in its orbit, it's called a supermoon. On this date, this coming year, it will be a super moon. It will be at this closest proximity to the earth, and it will be a blood moon. Jerusalem, it will be where Jerusalem will see it. Now notice, here's the law concerning Jerusalem and the Sabbath year. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time, in the year of release... At the Feast of Tabernacles, that's exactly when this blood moon is going to appear. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. The king was to read this law in their hearing. And if you'll go in your devotion, you read the scriptures underneath that, all the women, the children... The strangers of the land was all to appear and listen to the king as he read the law. Could it be that the king, something is going to happen? Some people predict that it's going to be the Psalms 83 war because even now men are trying to divide Jerusalem and God is not going to allow Jerusalem to be divided. America's leaders are sending secret letters to, the, to our enemy Iran and negotiating with a lawless rebel who want, who's seeking to destroy. Let me give you the foreign policy that we need to have toward Israel. And this is it. I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. That's the biblical foreign policy with Israel. Why? Because Israel is the apple of God's eye. And there was a promise made to a man by the name of Abraham that would said, I'll bless them that bless you and I'll curse them that curse you. We're already in enough trouble without bringing a further curse on our country. What we need to do to Iran is take a 50-cent bullet, take a, a long rifle. We've got sharpshooters that can get you a mile away. Why don't you just expend a dollar bullet and forget about those half-million-dollar bombs and have somebody go over there and shoot that guy? You don't negotiate with someone who hates you. You don't negotiate with somebody who's wanting to wipe you out. You don't negotiate with somebody who wants to behead your wife, kill your kids. You don't negotiate with people like that. Something is about to happen. Some people say the war of Psalms 83 will happen next year. I don't know. When people start making predictions concerning the future, it's dangerous ground. And I'm not saying um, something bad is going to happen. I'm just telling you and alerting you to the fact today that, that according to what has happened in the past, 
something's going to happen, I believe, drastic this coming year at the appointed time, seven years from the last thing, the crash, something's going to happen. Could be war in Israel. Could be, I don't know what it's going to be, but we need to wake up and realize something's going to happen. How should we react? We should search our lives. We should search our lives. We, we, I mean, if you're not where you should be with the Lord, boy, don't wait any longer. If, if, if you're not sold out, if you're not, if you're not living like you should, boy, you don't wait no longer. We need to listen that God's trying to get someone's attention. His signature is all over some of these things. Amen. Because God is not willing that any should what? His hand is outstretched. You know, limited judgments are not meant to, to destroy us or our nation, but it's meant to get our attention to turn and repent and come back to God. And the same way with all of us here in this building, if we are not walking where we should be with the Lord, don't wait for next week and don't put it off till next month or next year saying, I'll do it some other time because, listen, people that say that wind up never doing it. Today is the day of what? salvation. Every head bowed today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we um, this is in my heart, God, the things that you are, are uh, revealing. There's an urgency uh, in my spirit, God, to alert people to the fact that uh, the drama of, 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 of centuries, the drama of, uh, of the nation, the drama of, of is coming to a close. And I, I, I don't know how to transfer what I feel in my heart to the people that might be here today, the urgency I feel, and, and, the, and the disturbance in my spirit that I feel. But I wish I could translate that and give that to them today. I'm praying for those here today that if there's those here that may be walking far from you, I'm praying, God, that they'll be alerted today, that they'll that way, there'll be a revelation given to them need to come back get restored God's hand is outstretched God's hand is outstretched to our nation he gets no pleasure in, in a nation America going down God gets no pleasure in that we need to pray for our nation pray that there is some godly people in Washington few but there is some that, we, that our leaders, our godly leaders will start to have a, a, a greater influence upon our leadership from Washington. That, that our nation will begin to turn. Change some of his policies uh, with Israel. Come back to balance. And the church. My heart is for the church. Not just this church, but the church in general heart is disturbed at the condition of the church. Bring us back. There was a famous black singer years ago wrote the song, Take Me Back. Take me back to the day where I first believed you. What had happened in his life? He had drifted. 
He had got away from the freshness of his experience with God. He had moved and he got cold in his spirit. And from his spirit came the anointed words of a song. God, take me back to the days where I first believed. Take me back. I want to go back where I wasn't affected by all the stuff that has come into my life. Take me back. Take me back. That's what I want for us. God, take, take me back. Take me back to the day that I first believed you when everything was fresh and new. Not watered down and mixed. Just fresh and new from you. That's where I want to be. That's where I want all of us to be today. Take me back. Take me back. Everybody stand across the building. We're going to pray in just a moment. You're here and you don't know Christ is your Savior. I'm hoping that you'll, that you'll realize today that you need a Savior. We're going to pray this prayer. And if you mean it with your heart, I believe that God's going to come into your life and make you new. you got to mean it. you got to be serious. can't just be words at your mouth. It has to be something connected to your heart. For those of you that might be walking far away from God, might be a time to just say this prayer, the prayer of repentance. Come back to God. Come back. Turn around. Amen? Let's pray. Everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me new. I receive you today as the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen.